The difference between a win or a loss is 21.5% playoff odds swing. So the Titans have a chance to take one-fifth, essentially, of the Colts' odds and throw them in the trash. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, December 1st. JT, welcome to uh, the holiday season. I'm your host, Easton Freeze. Producer, wait, what? Huh? You're the, my whole brain, I just, I have a usual cadence to this, and then my, I got off of it talking about the holidays for one second, and then I lost my train of thought. I'm Easton Freeze. I'm the director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. The producer here is JT, who is joining me here live at Boomba's in Spring Hill. JT, how are you? I'm good. Like you were saying, it's it's the first tomorrow will be Goodness. the first day of my favorite month of the year. In is it your favorite? It is. I love you're usually such a Grinch. You enjoy December. Yeah, because it's it's cold, it's dreary, it's oh, oh. You, know, <laughs> you enjoy all the favorite. all the depressing parts of December. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I love it. So, okay. Well, you know, I'm excited to be here once again back at Boomba's after our holiday break hiatus but now we're back and we got another good game tonight but before we get to that game we're talking titans and colts to electric boogaloo <laughs> electric boogaloo indeed yeah we're talking all things titans and colts the titans first rematch of the year coming pretty late this season and a big one for them a big one for the colts both teams have a lot at stake here we're breaking everything down you need to know about this matchup off the top, I have to apologize if I'm nasally today. I've had a sinus infection all week. I can't breathe out of my nose. So you're just going to have to deal with it. I'm very sorry. Um, we are brought to you today by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, which is the place that we currently are at. Once again, as JT said, we love coming on down to Boomba's here in Spring Hill. Fantastic pizza, fantastic drinks, fantastic sports watching arrangement. They have TVs everywhere. Everything you could possibly want to see is up in giant 4K HD, I believe. I mean, I, I'm assuming all of these are high-definition televisions. They sure seem it. And uh, they got every every sporting event that you want. There's, it's it's the kind of place that has sporting events on JT. You didn't even know we're going on. Women's collegiate soccer, handball competitions. Uh, I've, I've seen uh, uh, cor- cornhole tournaments on. And, I mean, it's everything all the time. So they've got you covered for all of your sports viewing needs as well as your needs for delicious craft pizza multiple time winner at the Las Vegas pizza expo for different types of best pizzas in America. They are the only company in America to have won best pizza in the country twice. That's how good they do pizza. So come on over to Boomba's here in spring Hill or head to the location nearest you. They've got three locations here in the middle Tennessee area. They've got middle Tennessee. Uh, I'm, I'm a mess today, JT. I really am. Uh, the Murfreesboro, uh, Spring Hill and East Nashville are the three locations, as well as some locations in Kentucky and in Indiana. So check out the nearest one to you. All right. We've got a lot to dive into today regarding the Titans and the Colts. But before we do, if you're joining us live today, appreciate you stopping in before Thursday night football. A couple things you can do for us. First of all, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, we would love to get that subscriber count on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page up. And uh, that is free to you, and it's very helpful to us. So please do that for us. If you're not watching on YouTube, that's where you should be watching. So if you're checking us out on Facebook or on Twitter, go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Catch this live stream there. And in the comment section of that uh, is where you'll be able to join the conversation today. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions on Titans Colts number two. Okay, JT, a lot of numbers I want to start off with today at the top of the show. Just some things I think we need in order to get a good baseline for this rematch. First of all, from a betting perspective, the Titans are one-point home dogs this week, and that is an implied two-and-a-half or three-point dog on a neutral field. Just a a personal gripe of mine for our audience. I'd love to help debunk this narrative. You hear all the time, home field advantage. It's a a field goal. It's three points. That is an outdated that's an outdated wives tale at this point, folks. This is, we are living a modern era that is multiple. I mean, it's almost a decade old, that metric, according to today's actual research uh, on what home field is. It depends on where you're playing. And uh, it's somewhere between one and a half and two and a half points, depending on the difficulty of where you're going to play. If you're playing in Seattle or Kansas City or the Superdome in New Orleans, that's close to a two and a half point advantage. If you're playing in Nissan Stadium, against the Titans, oftentimes it's more like a one and a half point favorite. So 
uh, just keep that in mind and you can you can uh, be the um actually guy with all your friends in the future because everybody loves that guy. It is true. One and a half, two and a half point uh, on average, about a two point home field advantage for teams. And so a two and a half or three point implied dog for the Titans this week on a neutral field. Comparing that to week five when they met the Colts the first time, they were two and a half point road favorites. The Titans were in Indy, which is an implied neutral field uh, favorite of roughly four and a half or five points. That was with uh, Anthony Richardson at the helm, uh, not Gardner Minshew. So the things that have changed in terms of the the market-derived perceptions of these two teams between then and now, pretty significant. Uh, This Titans team has had a a pretty serious fall from grace in the eyes of, of many. And this Colts team, I think, I don't know if they're, currently in the playoffs or currently just outside they they are firmly in that playoff hunt and the market is treating them as a fringe playoff team speaking of Gardner Minshew this Colts quarterback has never this is a stat that uh, Sam Phelan enlightened me on today uh, apparently this comes from Teresa Walker so shout out T love you T she said that Gardner Minshew has never won four consecutive games in his career in the NFL he also, what was the stat? You you brought this up to me right before the show. Uh, is it he's one in 16? Is that the number? Yeah. So another thing about Gardner Minshew, which is very interesting, is that when Minshew's op- opponent scores more than 20 points, he is one in 16 straight up. That, that bodes pretty well for a Titans team who's playing at home who actually scores more than 20 points. Averaging about 24 points at home yeah, this season, so I believe. So, there, yeah. There's that, reason to have optimism against Gardner <laughs> Minshew this week. You could argue that's, you know, even at home for the Titans, 20 points is a not guaranteed bar to clear. So they need to clear that bar, but assuming they do so that bodes well for them. Another number for you. We're just going to, I'm going to throw all these numbers at you. And then we have plenty of opinion on what needs to happen in this game for the Titans to win. Rematch Derrick Henry. When Derrick Henry gets a chance to play you for a second time in a year against a divisional team, obviously that is the scariest Derrick Henry. He has gone over 100 rushing yards in 10 of his last 12 rematches against divisional opponents it does help that oftentimes that second game comes in and around d henber as they call it which is when derrick henry historically has been at his hottest this titans team uh, unlike derrick henry who is a, a vested veteran at this point they are playing more rookies than any other team in the nfl this season which is a double-edged sword jt and i talked about this on twitter today on one hand being a very good team almost never involves rookies getting a bunch of playing time, right? You don't you don't see the best teams playing a bunch of first year players. You see the best teams, the the Eagles and the Niners and the and the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Like all these teams are playing a lot of veterans who are most experienced and the best players in their prime, right? So that's not to say that the Titans are not to say the Titans are what they are record wise because of. The rookies alone, they, they also have veterans that just aren't any good, like we, we've covered this. But that does help explain why the Titans are where they are. They're just a really inexperienced group. Uh, on the other hand, playing so many rookies, you look at who is actually playing and how they're playing. Rand Carthon's first draft class as an NFL GM continues to look very, very promising. I mean, today, I just I was talking to a buddy via text going through each pick. Pierce Skaronski, I give a double thumbs up. Will Levis, I give a thumbs up and a half. I mean, like I'm close to two thumbs up on Will Levis. Tajay Spears, if I had three thumbs, I'd put them all up. Uh, uh, Jalen Duncan is—he's uh, close to getting his first thumbs up. If you can have it, we'll talk a lot about him in a minute. Have have a good game this week at left tackle. Uh, I skipped somebody, didn't I? J- uh, Josh Wiley, fourth round pick. He gets a thumbs up for me. One thumbs up, absolutely. He's he's been. I mean, we came into the year without much in the terms of expectations for him, and he's impressed. And uh, uh, who, who am I? Mis- oh, Colton Dowell is, you know, we've not really, not really seen developmental player. He's played a lot on special teams. So a big question mark so far, neither a thumbs up or a thumbs down. All in all, if, you know, five of the six guys in this draft class hit, that's a phenomenal class. Story's far from written. It's far really from written. Considering like what we were talking about earlier this week, yep. on how Rand Carthen, where his bread and butter has been for most of his career is in those later rounds in the past, at least with the 49ers and beyond. So seeing already some, some pretty quality play from some late round guys in their first year probably is, should speak volumes to what ran Carthen is as an evaluator of talent. Absolutely. And I had some folks push back on 
the idea that good teams typically don't have rookies playing a lot. Uh, because if you look at this this chart, the teams that are playing the most rookies this year, the Titans are at the very top, but also on this top 10 list of rookie snaps are the Texans and the Lions. And folks are saying, well, those are good teams. You, you, it's, not, it's not like you can't be a good team with rookies. It's true. There are outliers. But I mean, when you look at the Lions, for example, the side of the ball that is primarily their youngest players is the defense. And that defense is the side of the ball that is keeping them from being a very serious Super Bowl contender. So like, there's your reason why. And then with the Texans, they hit the very top rung mega millions jackpot on two of their rookies on offense, their quarterback, which is, you know, the most important position, obviously, and their wide receiver in tank Dell. And both of those guys are playing behind and succeeding in large part, not, not to take anything away from them, but their success is being aided in large, large part by really, really competent offensive line play. So the Texans are absolutely the definition of the outlier to this rule. They are the exception that proves the rule, not breaks the rule. So uh, the rookie situation for this Titans team, double-edged sword, not shocking that they're not very good right now. Very natural that they're not very good right now uh, in, in part because of that. But those rookies are playing well and they are promising. And that's the kind of thing that for the near future, you want to see. And they're absolutely seeing it right now. Um, all right, JT, let's get some, some keys of the game in here. And I've, I've got a number of thoughts on what this game might look like and what it needs to look like in order for the Titans to win. I want to start by looking back at last week. Um, we've talked all year about can the Titans stack two wins so far? No dice, uh, but they also have not had two games at home in a row. And now they finally do. So let's see. This is, this is the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Titans can't win twice, but they also can't lose at home so far. So something's got to give. They're either going to lose or they're going to win at home again. And uh, I want to look at that Panthers win and ask the question, what do we expect to carry over from that game to this game? Now, we talked a lot about that game as uh, I said last week, if there was ever a get right spot for the Titans, it was that Panthers game. I've seen people push back in media this week. Our buddy Zach Lyons and Braden Gall on, on uh, other 440 podcasts this week have been talking about how that wasn't actually a get right game. And I agree. And I want to, if anyone thinks that I was saying it was a get right game, I want to clarify that was in in jest, largely using get right in the terms of finally plug, actually contributing. Yeah, fi finally getting a win. Yes. Not not actually saying that playing well against the Panthers is going to mean you're playing well going forward. You beat a bad team. Like that's that's not controversial. I'm not arguing that a, a Panthers win by seven points where you had to hang on in the second half is indicative of this team really turning it around and going five and one down the stretch and sneaking into the playoffs. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm certainly not saying it's going to happen, right? And so I want to look at the individual things we saw in that game that were positives or negatives and ask, what do we think might carry over? The first one is Jalen Duncan, right? And there's been a lot of discourse this week about Jalen Duncan. How did he play? Like, how actually was he in that game? A lot of folks talking about, no, oh, maybe the Titans have their left tackle of the future. Got to pump the brakes on that. I've seen folks talking about how Jalen Duncan, actually, Jalen Duncan didn't play well at all. Let's pump the brakes on that as well. Like I said earlier in the week, I think this is the fairest you can possibly be. He was the fifth best of the five linemen out there. He also put together arguably the best left tackle game of the season for anybody wearing two-tone blue. And I would argue he had the best performance of any tackle not named Chris Hubbard on this Titans team this season. So like, again, relative. Bad can still be better than absolute disaster. And that's kind of where he was. He was like mediocre. Just, you know, uh, not not average, just a bit below average. I would argue the most positive part about it was if you watch the tape and you go chronologically through the game, JT, he kind of, you know, it was kind of a, a welcome to the NFL moment for him there at the beginning. Kind of had to get his sea legs at first. But then down the stretch of the game, later into the game, he had some really good reps. He started to figure it out as he went. He started to improve throughout the course of the game. That's what you want to see. It's what you need to see from a guy that you're wanting to get a proper evaluation from the rest of the season to see if he can be a solution for you on the offensive line going forward. So Jalen Duncan this week, a, a better team is going up against a, a better, a better defense. Um, there may not be a better pass rusher on this team than Brian Burns. And he had his ups and downs with Brian Burns. So I think it's largely going to be like quitty pay this week. How, how's he going to fare against uh, the quitty pays of the world? So that's absolutely a key matchup in this one. But what are you feeling like or maybe expecting from Duncan in this game or do you have no expectations 
I mean, I think my expectations are for him to continue his slow and gradual development this week. We saw last week that the best part of his game, which was a lot different than something we'd seen from him in limited snaps, is his ability to be effective in the uh, run blocking game. And I think that yes. was something that spoke volumes as we saw Derrick Henry cut to the outside for both of his touchdown scores mm -hmm. this past week. That's going to be important this week against a team that once again does not have Grover Stewart. And I think that's how this Titans team, if they are going to win, and we'll talk about it a little bit, if they are going to win, they're going to have to run the ball effectively. And that's where I'm really looking for him to 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 see that as this week. Can he continue to put up that solid um, run blocking that he has done so far, especially last week? And like you said, he's not going up against a, a crazy uh, defense. They like they have Quiddy Pay and uh, have lost a lot of players to injury this year. And obviously Grover Stewart is, is serving that suspension. So yeah, Jalen Duncan, he just needs to not it, 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 like fall like off a cliff. Said, he doesn't need to fall off a cliff. And if he's not noticeable, I consider that a win. But always the case with offensive linemen. Absolutely. We're going to talk more about the impact that Grover Stewart's going to have, uh, the impact his absence is going to have on this game in a minute. Another thing that we may or may not see carry over from this game, the defensive line showing up. I mean, it, it, it was... It was finally a game in that in that Panthers win where the defensive line had a massive impact on the outcome. That needs to that needs to continue. And that, you know, we've talked relentlessly this season about how that's the most disappointing unit on the team. That's the unit that should be dominating games. And uh like like last week, really actively playing a part in who wins and who loses. And in a lot of games this year, they've not been a disaster, but they've been really quiet and they haven't had that impact. They need to have that impact in this game against, granted, a good Colts offensive line. They got Bernard Raymond, who has panned out. He was a, uh, a later round tackle prospect or you know, not, not that top echelon of tackle prospect two drafts ago that I was really high on when I was doing the show with James Foster. And, and unfortunately for Titans fans, I, my evaluation of him was correct. He was a, a great. A, a great developmental guy that in his first year really struggled and has really settled down. And now they've got, unlike the Titans, two tackles that can play good football. There's, there's a lot that goes into, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot that you can do when you have bookend tackles. If, even if you have not much of anything else, you got bookend tackles that opens up a lot of opportunities for you. And so it's going to be a challenge as compared to that dreadful, dreadful Carolina defensive line. But we know the caliber of players this Titans team has up front in Arden Key and Jeffrey Simmons and Tier Tart and Danico Autry. Those guys have to get Harold Landry. They've got to get home. They've, they've got to pressure Gardner Minshew. Um, I, and I've got a, a number on Gardner Minshew. I believe, let me make sure this is correct. He is, he is, yeah, he's 32nd out of 38 qualified quarterbacks this season when kept clean. He's worse than that. He's worse statistically when he is under pressure, naturally. So Gardner Minshew, we've always talked about him as a good backup. He's a good backup. He's also not a good starter. Like he's, not, he's not a great quarterback. He's just not. He's very flawed. If you get after him, it's going to pay dividends. They have to do that. I, I, don't, I, I feel like I have more faith in Duncan not falling apart than I do in the defensive line not burrowing back into the ground and disappearing, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I would agree there. It, it, obviously, you're going up against, like, to Zach and Braden's point earlier this week, you are now going up against a offensive line that last year what was an absolute turnstile and was a big problem, but they stuck with it. And now this year, they've put it all back together again, and they look pretty decent. If, they're, if not, they are one of the better groups in the NFL this season. That's a stark difference from a group that even they were missing both their guards before that game, and then they lost another guard during that game and had to put a UDFA in going up against Jeffrey Simmons. Yep. I don't think that's going to happen. Nah, this week. However, it's a fair bet. Yeah. However, I think there is something to be said for this front seven that for the entire year has talked about, well, we just have to play better. There has to be at least a weight off their shoulders that, okay, we finally played better regardless of the competition. We played better. So let's carry that confidence over into the next game and beyond. And I think that they could probably do that. I think, They've already gotten one look at this at this uh, Indianapolis Colts team. They're playing back at home. They have the crowd with, at their back. They're going to make adjustments. So I have uh, I have a lot of faith in, in the defensive line this week. And the last point that I'm wondering this is a negative. So the Titans, you know, obviously hope this does not happen. Something from last week that I'm curious to see if it carries over to to this game. That sluggish second half where the offense. Did, did, I don't know if it was not making the proper adjustments. I would argue from watching the tape, it was just 
lack of execution and a flawed team, especially up front that was flawed in practice on the field. And it hurt them in a lot of different ways. They just weren't making the plays in the second half. Does that carry over to this game? Whether that is the coaches needed to make different adjustments at halftime, whether that is the players needing to stay locked in, keep the foot on the pedal. I think there's also something to be said in fairness when you're playing a team like Carolina, even for a team as bad as Tennessee. You're not necessarily going to empty the, you're not going to empty the bag against them. You, you can kind of get into a situation against a team like that who is not a super high scoring risk. You know, let's just, let's just, let's eke out the clock. Let's run it out. Like, let's, let's get, let's get home here. We don't need to win by, we don't need to blow them out of the water. We don't need to be a juggernaut here. That's a good way for a flawed team like us, honestly, to get ourselves in trouble. Let's just get home. And they got home. So, I don't know what the case was there, but in this game, that's not going to work. That This Colts team will come back if you have a lead at any point in this game and you don't keep your foot on the pedal. They will come back and they will make you pay for that. Yeah, they, they've been like that all all year, especially with Gardner Minshew. He's a quarterback and a backup that he is aggressive to a fault. He will just sling the ball no matter what. And I think that if you do get a lead on them, they do have a pretty solid wide receiver core this year with Michael Pittman and uh, emerging Josh Downs complimented with Zach Moss and how he's been able to to work in that in that backfield they're they're never out of it let's talk about those two guys um well before I get to that I, I do want to mention like I said at the top of the show first rematch of the season right and, and Will Levis said this week at the podium that it's nice for the first time in his rookie career to be able to study the same team for a second time around that is in it's it's pretty crazy that it's taken until week 13 for the Titans to see a divisional opponent for the second time and I imagine I've always thought getting to study and strategize against a familiar opponent is probably a very different situation than your typical prep. It's probably a pretty fun case study, especially when you're the team that lost and you can like look at all the things you did wrong, try to game plan around what they did to beat you. The chess match involved there. You're trying to predict what they're going to change. That's probably pretty entertaining if you're if you're a nerd in the building. Um, but the two the two big and obvious things for this game when you're looking back at that week five matchup was the Titans have to contain Zach Moss because he ran for 165 yards and two tuds against them in, in week five. And they have to contain Josh Downs who kind of had his coming out party as an NFL wide receiver in that game, largely due to busted coverages by the Tennessee Titans and by Christian Fulton. That was kind of the peak of Christian Fulton being an active detriment to the Titans out there on the field. So taking those guys one at a time, Josh Downs, again, slot receiver, very small, very fast, a guy that you and I were both really big on ever since we were at the Combine in Indianapolis, got to see him with their own eyes running around. He's he's a guy that the Titans are going to have to shut down this week. Michael Pittman is the alpha in that offense from a receiving standpoint, from an outside receiver standpoint. But the one thing you could argue Christian Fulton has done well consistently in his career as a Titan is shut down Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman has never had a good game against Christian Fulton. Some of his worst games as a pro have come against Christian Fulton. So Fulton needs to be occupied with that. That's something we know he can do. It was largely Fulton who was giving up big chunk plays to Josh Downs in that first week. And so I feel like the, I forget, I think it was Zach Lyons who was talking about this earlier this week. Maybe it was today. I'm getting my wires crossed here, but uh, it's, I think it's the, the, the correct and obvious strategy here. If he's in the slot, you put Roger McCreary on him. If he's outside, you put Sean Murphy Bunting on him. Don't let Fulton near the guy. Like, let's just let's just have those. I think those are the two. I know those are the two quarterbacks playing better ball right now. They need to they need to divide or they need to not have divided attention uh, when it comes to Josh Downs. They need to be focused on him. And then Zach Moss. I think it's gonna be a very different situation for a couple of reasons, and we're gonna talk about that in a second. Why I think that is, but like I said in week in week five, absolutely torched them. No tear tart that first week, uh, that first matchup. Jeffrey Simmons a little banged up in that first matchup. It's on Tart, who's the the run stuffing D tackle, nose tackle on this team, and it's on this linebacking core, this young linebacking core, to to plug the gaps, not play peekaboo, hit the holes, be stout in that run defense, and not allow explosives. Because not only, I mean, Downs did both things in that first matchup, right? He was getting really high yards per carry clip. It's not like it was all explosives. He every, especially in the second half, every run he had, he was picking up four, five, six, seven, eight, nine yards. But he was also creating explosives. I mean, he he broke off that thirty-something yard run, I believe, to ice the game at the end. That's the kind of thing you you can't let happen. The good news is the Titans' run defense has gotten better since that little hiccup for a couple weeks in the middle of the season. But 
of those two things, JT, um, which do you think is more likely to go better for the Titans this week? Shutting down Zach Moss or shutting down Josh Downs? I think it's got to be shutting down Zach Moss Agreed. this week, um, mostly because... Um, Are you telling me you don't have faith in the secondary still? I, is that know, what you're saying? I don't... It's, it's <laughs> tough, man. Like... I, I, I don't I don't I don't really still even as you said put those other guys on, on Josh Downs I still don't I still have my questions about that whereas okay you get Tier Tart back in that lineup I don't have as many questions. you trust him to do it I, I trust them to especially after because with Zach Moss in that first matchup it wasn't exactly Zach Moss but that offensive line kind of just absolutely bullied making uh the the lanes for Zach Moss the most clear that they've ever been for him in his entire life and he was just able to hit that hole and there was no resistance, uh, there was no resistance yep. whatsoever. So I think that they're going to be able to adjust this week and add tier tart back in the fold. So I feel a lot more confident that they're going to stifle Zach Moss more than this suspect secondary thing <laughs> shut down Josh Downs. Let's move on here because this is the this is the part of this game that I find most fascinating. I, I love I mean I'm a narrative guy in general. I love the narratives involved here and a narrative this time of year that I really love to lean into. And I think it's a big deal in this time of year for uh, for teams that are actively trying to get into the playoffs and teams that are trying to play spoiler. Motivations. Now, we talk all the time about how you know it's different in the NFL. These are grown men. They're professionals. that get paid exorbitant amounts of money to come in day in, day out, week in, week out, give their best out there on the field. It's different from college where, you know, guys just, they get up for certain games. They're more motivated for certain games. These, these NFL players, they're more even keeled. But that, I think there's a, a serious gray area there. I do think, I mean, compare it to you and your job. If you're listening, JT, compare it to you and your job. I compare it to me and my job. We're all paid to do what we do, right? That does not mean that there are certain days or certain projects or certain situations where we are much more motivated to do something a certain way or do something to the best of our abilities than other times. I know with me when I'm having to do something that I, that I just dread or find unbelievably boring with work, I put it off. I don't, I don't put my best into it. I, I do the bare minimum to get by and then I turn it in. Right. When I love a project, when I die to dig into something, I will, you know, I'll, I'll spend extra, I'll spend my free time on it. I'm thinking about it all the time. Like it's my singular focus. So just because they're pros and just because they get paid a lot of money to do what they do, I, I don't think that you can eliminate some motivational factors. And I think there are a lot in this game. So let's talk about um, where, where those motivational elements of this game can come into play. Just in general, I ask myself this time of year when we're betting or just trying to figure out who may or may not win a game, who's the more motivated team? Right, who's more hungry? Who's more desperate? Desperate teams are it's like a desperate animal. There's nothing more dangerous than a desperate animal. You're gonna gnaw gnaw its own leg off to get out of a trap. Like teams this time of year are willing to gnaw their legs off, depending on how desperate they are. They will empty the playbook bag. They will they will bring in guys maybe a little bit earlier from injury than than they would like to, just because they need all hands on deck. Like it's it's nut cutting time. Let's get after it. This is this, it's now or never. And so that's something I like to ask myself in these games. I think both these teams have reason. For motivation, the Colts, it's obvious. They're trying to make a playoff push. They're trying to, in the first year of Shane Steichen and uh, first time in a couple seasons, we'd love to get back to the postseason. For the Titans, I think one of the biggest things in the NFL that I do th do think has a big impact on motivation is playing spoiler. I think especially in division, when teams have the opportunity to spoil playoff chances for their division rivals, they love that. They love that stuff. And the Titans are going to have a lot of those down the stretch because they got a lot of divisional games left and they've got three teams in their division that all have their hopes set on the playoffs. And so for that reason, I was looking at the playoff odds. They put out these charts each week, I believe from Sumer, uh, Sumer Sports. Um, the, the probability chart of um, how much a win or a loss this week will impact your probabilistic odds to make the playoffs. And for the Colts in this one, the difference between a win or a loss is 21.5% playoff odds swing. So the Titans have a chance to take one-fifth, essentially, of the Colts' odds and throw them in the trash and really put them behind the eight ball. I also think that you can look at things like what Mike Vrabel said at the presser this week. I mean, you were talking about having faith in this run defense looking different, aside from just having Tier Tart back. How about the fact that they got just embarrassed by Zach Moss, a backup running back, 
These guys are alphas. You think Jeffrey Simmons takes kindly? You think Danico Autry takes kindly to get embarrassed by Zach Moss? Brable said at the presser this week that Moss should be licking his chops based on the last time that these two teams played. I am certain that every day this week in that position group room and probably in front of the whole team, they are playing highlight reel cutups of reminding everybody just how badly they got their butts handed to them by Zach Moss and that offensive line in that first matchup. I don't think they're going to come into this game. I, this is one of those games where they may come in and say, we, we may lose and you may beat us. You may throw for 400 yards, but dadgummit, you're going to, we're not going to let you rush for 50. It's not, it's not happening. We're not letting you do that again. And so that's a big motivational factor in this one. Levis, this, this is, this is maybe a little bit of a reach, but I think there's something to it. He said that this week, the, the pre-draft meetings he had with the Colts went really well. And it was, he, he and Anthony Richardson in the pre-draft process, they were talking and they were both of them felt like one of us is going to end up with the Colts. We don't know who um, the Colts sure. They wind and dined him. They took him, played nine holes of golf reportedly before the draft. Sounded like Levis was getting ready to wind up with the Colts. And then they said, you know what? Pass. Never mind. We don't want you. He ends up with the Titans. He says he's glad he's here with the Titans instead. I'm sure he is because it's the team that, that actually wanted him. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I think can, can play into this. You have any thoughts on any of those things? I think the biggest thing for me is that run defense. They're not letting they're they're coming to this game hell bent on yeah, stopping Zach Moss. I, and I totally agree that that is the one as we've been talking about all year. They need if they want to finally prove that they've gotten better after last week's game. This is what they have to do. And I fully trust and believe in that locker room, the leaders in that locker room, like Jeffrey Simmons and Janico Autry and Tier Tart and all those guys in there, Harold Landry. Those guys are going to get it done this week. Um, if it, it, no matter the cost at all odds. Yep. Uh, one guy who I, in particular for the Titans team that I think this is not necessarily just this week discussion. I think it's the rest of the season discussion, but it starts this week. Absolutely. Welcome back. Traylon Burks. We're yes. going to talk about this in the injury report, but this is the week that Traylon Burks is coming back. I had a feeling, uh, after last week, he didn't practice again. I was like, I think that he'll probably come back for the Colts game. They did a little division rematch. Um, it's time for like, it, this is the time we need to see him do three things. Stay healthy, number one. Show improvement of any kind and start stacking games. Like improvement and consistency in your improvement. This, I mean, maybe you disagree. This to me feels like his last stop as a Titan, at least for him to like, let's, you got to get the train on the tracks now. You got to stop leaking oil now or, or fans are going to officially start turning on you in droves. Like this feels like the last stop for him. Yeah, at least for for fan perspective, I would agree with that. I don't know if the team's going to give up. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yes, it's the it's the fans. It's the narrative. Yes, I mean he the expectations that come with being a first round pick. Um, we've seen in the in the past that many many have fallen this way, whether it was because of injury or just poor performance. That some of these uh, wide receivers just don't end up working out, and then um, it, it's hard it's hard to bounce back from that. So I think. If anything, it's unfortunate that that through two years of his career, it's been derailed like this with a concussion. However, right. it can also be seen as a new opportunity, a fresh start for Traylon Burks with with a new. He's coming back, and he'll be uh, once again trying to to create a rapport with Will, Will Levis this time, um, in just kind of a totally redone offense. Um, so I think I think as much of as a, as a, it's now or never, it's kind right. of a fresh start for him. It is. And let's be honest. I think that it, rightfully so Titans fans have kind of pushed Traylon Burks and expectations for Traylon Burks to the wayside for the time being. But let's be honest about this. The Titans, they really only have one quality receiver on their roster, right? I mean, alpha receiver on their roster right now. They got plenty of role players for like NWI having the best year of his career. He's kind of like a Josh Reynolds type in the sense that like, you want him to be your three, your four, but he's, you know, he's, he's very flawed. Um, you Chris, know, Moore. Chris, Chris Moore has, has been nice, but he's kind of in that same role, right? Kyle Phillips, who we're a big fan of can be a very nice slot, but he's still trying to put it together and write that ship. And, and again, he's not got that outside receiver ability. So the, the ceiling is limited there. Um, so if they get him back and the Titans show some real life in the passing game down the stretch this season. If you, if you told me, if you, if you traveled to the end of the season, JT, and you came back and you told me Titans passing game started to really, started to really cook. I would tell you it's because Traylon Burke started to be a real factor, started to take some pressure off of DeAndre Hopkins, started to present a big body, big target for Will Levis when he's under pressure, can dump it off. We start seeing Traylon Brooks with that yak ability 
in-breaking routes, crossers, where he gets the ball and takes off and runs down the field. That's the kind of thing, obviously, you're hoping to see from him. He's not giving you a ton of reason to believe that he's going to do it or do it do it consistently. He, he does it in spurts, right? But it's time for him to start really showing that. And I'm, I'm just, here's what I'm hoping. Above all, I'm hoping they give him a shot. Hoping they start targeting him. Hoping they utilize him in the offense quite a bit pretty quickly. I think, I think it's time. I think he's ready. I don't know that his health status, obviously, but it seems to me like it is time. And, um, we talk about the, the concussion. I, I want to bring this up because a lot of, a lot of folks were interested in the, on this uh, topic on Twitter. We saw Traylon at practice this week. He's wearing a cue collar now and folks don't know what a cue collar is, but I think they, they've seen it. it. It's, it's shaped like a headband, right? Like a, like a woman's headband. It's like a, a horseshoe. It goes around your neck. It, it fits snug. Like, like a, uh, it sits on your neck, like a choker, essentially. And what it does, I think folks have seen them. Um, a couple star players around the league have started wearing them in games. Dalton Kincaid's been wearing it all year. Tony Pollard wears it. Apparently, Luke Keekley was wearing it back in the day, which is not shocking given his concussion history. But it's a it's a concussion. It's a preventative device for concussions. It's an FDA approved piece of tech that applies gentle pressure to the back of your neck, which I'm not a doctor, but I've, I've done quite a bit of research on this, and I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what it does. It applies this gentle pressure to the back of your neck, which artificially increases the volume of blood in your brain. And what that does is your brain is essentially floating in your cranium, your, your cranial cavity in what's called interstitial fluid. And when you get a concussion, folks that don't know, that is when you bang your head and your brain inside that uh, cranial cavity bangs up against the inner wall of your skull and is, you know, you get a little brain bruise, you get a little brain bonk, you get bonked up and then you're, you, you know, you can't think straight. That's what a concussion is. What this device does, these cue collars, it artificially increases the volume of blood in your brain, which I when I first read that, I was like, "That are we sure that's safe? Like, do you want a bunch of, is that a good thing? You, is that, is that hampering blood flow? Apparently it is safe to do this. And what it does is it essentially pumps your brain up like a tire, makes it bigger, thus creating smaller spaces between it and the, the cranial wall and, 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 uh, forces that cranial fluid out of the way. And so it doesn't have nearly as much room inside your head to rattle around and, and it decreases concussions pretty significantly. Like I said, I'm sure you've noticed it on other players and wondered for me, I'm wondering why most players or all players don't wear this all the time. I can't wait to talk. I think I'm going to talk to trailer Burks tomorrow. If I see him, I'm going to ask him about it. Like, is it not comfortable? Is it annoying? Uh, are there downsides to it? I, I'm not sure. I feel like there must be or else. Why would everyone not always be wearing one of these things? Right. Yeah. I feel like it's gotta be a comfort thing. It's gotta be a comfort thing. Um, but that at some point, uh, safety and, and prolonging your career probably comes over comfort. And for a lot of those guys who have had those injuries, um, maybe, maybe that's the way they do it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. All right. That's all my thoughts on this game. Uh, we got two more segments to get to. We've got the best bet gauntlet week 13 coming up down the stretch here. But before we get to that, JT, let's get into some news. Yeah, let's start with the injury report on this Thursday evening here. Let's talk about the guys who did not practice today. Just one, and it was Derrick Henry just for rest. So rest. nothing to really be uh, worried about there. Let's talk about some guys who practiced fully, and that was Traylon Burks today along with um, Daniel Brunskill. And then the biggest one, Will Levis, who is back from – uh, what was a shock to a lot of people on Wednesday yes. when he was limping around on the field. Um, it's an ankle injury. It's apparently an ankle it's, it's injury. a lingering yes. ankle injury from before the season. It sounds like the kind of thing he's going to get worked on or checked out in the offseason, maybe a little surgery when the season is over. But for the time being, he's playing through it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've wondered aloud on this show the past couple of weeks, young athletic guy in a pocket. that's constantly collapsing with room to run. Why is he not doing it more? Here, maybe here's your reason. It wouldn't shock me if this is the reason right here. Makes a lot of sense in hindsight. And uh, it's something that they're just going to have to, they're going to have to work through. I've seen, I've heard folks wondering like, you know, do you, you know, do long-term future of the franchise? Do you, you sit him some, do you not play him? If it's bad, no, no. I think you, you play the young guy, you get him reps. He's played through injuries before. He's a big boy. He's tough. He's a football player. Everyone's out there playing through injuries. Unless he physically can't play, he's be out there playing. Um, and so, the good news, just to wrap that that up, on Wednesday, we saw some clips of him kind of hampered at practice. Today, he looked much better, so that's good news. 
Yeah, and then a couple of guys who are limited today, Aaron Brewer with a shoulder injury and Roger McCreary with a foot injury popped up on the injury report today. Any uh, reason to believe that those guys won't go this week? No, I believe both were either limited or full, correct? They did not practice. Yeah, limited. Yeah, so, I mean, like we always say on this show, we don't have the luxury of knowing the Friday injury report. We will have that on our social media accounts tomorrow around 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. So if you want the final reports, that's where you can check that out. The Thursday report is probably the least, uh, not reliable, it is reliable, the least informative of the three reports of the week. The Wednesday report gives you a baseline, and then Friday is when things get locked in. You find out who is out, who's questionable, um, and, and everyone that's going to play is practicing that that day. So uh, I expect they'll both be out there if they were limited today. And I'm, I don't have a, a lot of reason to worry, but that guy was changed in a hurry. Yeah, let's move over to the Indianapolis Colts side here. Two guys that are the main uh, the main concern here. One, we already knew Jonathan Taylor will not play this week. Looks like he'll be out for some extended time after right. he got surgery on that thumb. And then the other big one, Juju Brents, the rookie a cornerback with a uh, quad injury, has now not practiced both Wednesday and Thursday. If he doesn't go, how big of a deal would that be for the Titans wide receivers? Big deal, because this Colts secondary has always has already been banged up for a large part of the season. Juju, young player, second round pick, guy that we were pretty fond of in the draft process. But we just continue to pat ourselves in the back. But you know what? That's what sports media is, baby. We get it right. We're going to tell you. Uh, he, he's a good player for them. He's had some really nice games for them this year. And if he's not out there, it wouldn't shock me. Maybe the, I mean, it's protection is so key. So big asterisk. If Quiddy pay wrecks things, then throw this take out the window. But if the protection can be just adequate, just like just enough, let him get through his first read. At least I think this could be a big passing day for Will Levis if they decide that's how they want to play this game. Yeah, let's move on and talk about a certain Titans player who won some awards this past week. Hey. Ryan Stonehouse, the second-year player, won the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, he was named that for Week 12 after he punted seven times for a 53.7-yard average and a 46.7-yard net average in Sunday's win. Uh, he had a 71-yard punt in the second quarter. It was the, it was Stonehouse's fifth consecutive game with at least one punt of 60 yards plus. Dang. Just continues to show that the, the, the Titans went from one legendary punter in Brett Kern, and <laughs> seems that they found another one in Ryan Stonehouse. Yeah, there's a certain franchise. You know, Green Bay goes Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. Maybe Jordan Love's going to be a Hall of Famer. Titans, they go punter to punter, baby. That's all they do is, is go stud to stud at the punter position. Not ideal. If they, if they could go back and pick the position they wanted to be awesome at all the time, they probably would have gone somewhere else. But you know what? Ryan Stonehouse continues to be a stud. Great guy, too. A ton of fun to talk to. So good for Ryan. Very deserving. Yeah, let's talk about another guy who has been very controversial this week after he was welcomed back to the 53-man roster. Welcome back, Jaleel. Jaleel Johnson was <laughs> brought back to the 53-man roster after being let go a, a week or two ago. And then seemingly after that, he started to tweet some interesting things about what he thought yes, of he the did. team. Well, now he's he back. Thoughts. We asked Mike Vrabel uh, about this on, I believe, yesterday. Yep. And Vrabel said he had a conversation with Jaleel and said that the tweet was out of character for him and said he is comfortable with who Jaleel is. So it sounds like they are smoothing things over there, but he is back on the active roster. Yeah, he changed up that too once he got his job offered back. So good for Jaleel. Um, yeah, I'll leave that at that. Good for Jaleel. Let's move on to a couple of uh, just broader NFL topics and talk about a, a certain coach who has already been fired this year, but not the one you might be thinking of. We all know Frank Reich was fired, but we forget that Josh McDaniels was already also fired. unemployed. Yep. Um, but also there was unemployed. a report that came out earlier, uh, I believe today or yesterday, today. where um, in ex Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler wanted to move up and draft CJ Stroud, but because because he believed he was a generational talent, but now fired coach Josh McDaniels overruled him. McDaniels was apparently hell bent on starting veteran Jimmy Garoppolo, which makes sense as. Bill Belichick loved Jimmy G. It makes sense that Josh McDaniels would also love Jimmy G. Can't get out of his own way. And now a uh, year and a half what later after being a nightmare, yeah, he's no longer the coach. coach. Josh, there's name one thing about Josh McDaniels right now. It, he, well, sorry, one good thing. Name one good thing about Josh McDaniels right now. It, I, I don't know. Uh, you can't. There's, yeah. there's, there wasn't one. There's not, his, he's, a, he's the nightmare head coach. Of, it's a, astonishing that he's failed up and managed to have more than one head coaching opportunity in the league. I'm certain that's not going to be happening again. 
a lot of folks are like, this is a revisionist history. Of course, everybody's saying they would have moved up for CJ. Like, I get that. They, it's easy to say now you thought CJ was a generational talent. I do, however, knowing Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels I, I do believe that this probably mostly happened. I think that they probably, the GM was probably like, let's move up and get a quarterback. And, and McDaniels was like, nah, Jimmy G's the guy, baby. Don't worry about it, which is crazy talk. So that's probably my favorite report of the day, to be honest with you. Yeah, and let's talk about another head coach who is now in the hot water after Frank Reich and Josh McDaniels is... Uh, One could argue should have been in hot water a long time ago. Yes, but it is the the Chargers coach, Brandon Staley, um, who this was reported by Jordan Schultz, or Schultz earlier this week. Barring a miracle, Chargers coach Brandon Staley will be fired. Uh, and so he currently has the hottest seat. And now, as we were talking about desperate teams, there may, no, there may, may be no more desperate team than the chargers going up against the the new england patriots well and there may be no more attractive job opening assuming he does get fired after the by the end of the season than going to coach for a team in la that has justin herbert i mean that it's gonna be plenty of suitors for that yes. job i believe um yeah man brandon staley I, i've he's been one of my least favorite coaches in the league for really since his rookie season when people the, the nerds were huge Staley fans. I couldn't stand the guy then. I can't stand the guy now. I think he's a bozo. Um, Listen, barring a miracle is what they said. The quote is quote miracle. This is the Chargers franchise we're talking about. There has been, will be, and never, never once will be a miracle for this franchise. It didn't happen. So sorry, Brandon Staley, but you're going to be, he's, maybe, maybe he uh, takes a little Cliff Kingsbury trip to the trip to the far East situation this off season. That would not, Shock me if that's in the cards. And finally, there was a certain quarterback this week who returned, uh, who was designated to return from injury. Can you guess which quarterback that was? Is this this quarterback? Did his Spotify Wrapped involve a lot of dolphin noises? Uh, no, it's Hendon Hooker actually. Oh, yeah, oh, oh different, returned. different one. Uh, Hendon Hooker. What about the dolphin today. guy? Oh, the dolphin guy. Oh yeah, he's Aaron also Rogers. back. Andrew, Aaron I got Rogers you. Back. I got you. Uh, yeah, but Aaron Rodgers returns from IR. Uh, he will now begin practicing with the team. Do you, this is an interesting question. Do you think Rodgers will actually play again this season? Um, I hope so. Cause I just want to see what it looks like, to be honest. So personally, like I'm hoping, uh, I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is because he said that he's probably not going to play if they're not in position to make the playoffs. And it's not looking like they will be. They're currently in 15th out of 16 teams in the AFC. So I'm not holding my breath on that, but I would like to see it. I, I mean, it's like, it's some, you know, it's breaking it's breaking medical ground here. I I want for the sake of humanity, for science, I want to see him out there and trying it, but I don't think that we're going to. And that's gonna do it for our new segment today. All right, that means we got one segment left. It's the best bet gauntlet, baby. Got some numbers to review before we get All into right. the bets for week 13. Just a little we, we recap once every other week, every every third week, we like to give a, a benchmark of where we're at on the season. Big Thanksgiving week 12 infused a lot of wins for me and for the show. I am currently sitting at 38, 29 and two on the year. JT, you are at 39, 27 and three on the year all time on the best bet gauntlet going on two seasons. Now we are 201, 151 and 14, which means we are officially 50 bets over 500. Well done partner. That's some good betting right there. That also means we're at 57.1% all time up 31.71 units. That means if you blindly trailed every bet on the best bet gauntlet since the beginning of last season, you'd be up 31.71 units. If you were putting 100 bucks on every bet, you'd be up $3,100 right now, my friend. That's free money. As we've said before, if you're not betting with the best bet gauntlet, you're not trying to make money. And so with that, let's get into our week 13 slate, JT. I it's a rare, This season is a rare win for me last week, uh, which means you have the honor of the first pick. Where are you going with the first pick week 13? Yeah, with my first pick in this week's best bet gauntlet, I'm going with Arizona plus five and a half headed to Pittsburgh. Look, this is pretty simple for me. The Pittsburgh Steelers continue to be the most luckiest team in the entire The most team. luckiest. The most luckiest. I, I agree. Uh, Honestly, I agree. Steelers are now 10 and 1 in their last 11 one-score games and 12 and 2 over their last 14 one-score games. It's pretty insane to me that they continue to win at this pace. But now they're going into a, a spot coming off this win here where Mike Tomlin and company are now favored over a field goal off of the win at home. 
And when that is the case, this Steelers team is 37% against the spread. Hmm. I don't believe exactly in this offense. I realize they, they fired Matt Canada and now they finally have a 400 yard game, but which is hilarious, but is being overblown. Uh, But how they got to those 400 yards was, it was pretty gross. It was pretty ugly. Now they're playing a team that, actually has a functioning quarterback that isn't named Jake Browning uh, on the other side. Kyler Murray, Helps. hey, he can he can throw the ball. He can run the ball. I'm yep. expecting this to be a closer game than five and a half. Even Agreed. I think there could be a chance that Arizona finds their way to another win this season and upsets this team who has been just getting away with a lot. So in that case, I'm going to take Arizona this week plus five and a half. I, I'm 100% with you on that bet. I'll be making that bet as well. With my first pick of the week, 13 best bet going. I'm going San Francisco minus two and a half visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the most popular sharp bet of the week. Very pros Joe's game. Very simple handicap on this one. Talked about motivation earlier in the week or earlier in the show. The motivation for the San Francisco team is massive in this game. They've had this one circled since they lost that conference championship game last winter. I think Shanahan's probably been dialing up what he's going to play uh, in this, the calls that he's going to uh, make in this game, probably since then, he's been scripting it out for months at this point. And the Eagles have been pretty fraudulent as well. They are the, I think that they're the most fraudulent team, not named the Steelers in the league right now. In my opinion, they have won four straight games where they were trailing at halftime and ultimately ended up being outgained by over a hundred yards four times in a row. Now they are seven and one as well on the season uh, in one possession games. That is something that is due for aggression. So then they've been getting very lucky and getting away with some things. This Philly defense, I looked this up. They were on the field last week in that just war against the Bills for 95 plays, and they had some key players get banged up. The 49ers, for their part, they're coming off of extended rest, and they're all fully healthy. I think this is a big spot for San Fran. I think that they win pretty handily. Give me San Fran minus two and a half at the Eagles. Yeah, and I would bet that one sooner than later as I've already seen a bunch of books move totally. up to three. 100%. I'm still pretty confident in the minus three, but if you can get it under the hook, that's great. Yep. Um, they're totally tailing you with that one. And Logan here says, JT, with expert scouting, he can throw the ball, he can run the ball. Yeah, well, that is literally the only analysis you need when you're comparing Kyler Murray and Jake Brown. Right, those, okay? If you're doing a, di- a, 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 a like and different chart, under different, the first two things you write, for, for Kyler Murray, what makes him different is he can throw and, and he, he can, can run. run. Those are different things for those two players. Yep. My next pick here, we're continuing in the trend. I'm taking Tennessee this week, plus one at home. 12 versus- straight weeks, the Tennessee Titans played. We're betting some side in this game. I love and, it. Uh, you know, I love this bet too. I also believe that no matter how many times we take it, we're going to we're going to finish over 500 against the spread when we bet the Titans this season because Mike Vrabel in his six seasons has never finished under 500 against the spread. So hoping yep. they're yep. currently five and six. We're currently five and six on these picks. But we're, get believing, a couple wins. we're believing in them here. This is why I like them this week. We already talked about it. When Minshew's opponent scores more than 20 points, he is one and six, 16 straight up. This Titans team is averaging over 20, 20 points a game. This season at home with 24.75 per game this season. Minshew is also 5-15 and 15 straight up in his last 20 starts and 9-11 against the spread in his last 20 starts. Mike Vrabel also, you don't bet against him as an underdog at home. He is 3-11-1 as an underdog against the spread off of a straight up loss. And he's covered 4 of 7 in the last 7 in that spot. Titans also have had, historically had the Colts number going five and one against the spread in their last six games against the Colts. I think like we talked about all, all episode right here, this is where um, the Titans can find a way once they, they see another opponent to adjust, they're going to be able to take away the run. And when it's given uh, between Minshew and Levis, I believe it's a, really a toss up. Yep. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. I'll be with you on that bet. Absolutely. Um, for my second bet of the week, 13 best bet going, I'm going Detroit minus four. This is one that I had locked in earlier in the week. If you follow the best bet gauntlet uh, locks on our social media on Twitter, I locked in Detroit minus four at the New Orleans Saints. Really simple here. Detroit coming off of extended rest, and they've had 10 days now to think about that embarrassing prime t- national prime time situation where they lost to the Green, ba- Green Bay Packers on Thanksgiving in front of the eyes of the entire country on Turkey Day. I'm sure that that is something that is still stinging for them. And they're going to take their anger out on a pretty mediocre New Orleans team. They are on the road here, but indoors, which is important for Jared Goff. 
Uh, the Superdome is not a super uh, hospitable place to play, but I think this Detroit team is just that much better than New Orleans. Derek Carr, between the 20s, very good. In the red zone, disaster, disaster quarterback. Uh, I think Detroit is, is a big, big bounce back candidate in this one. And I think they're going to win by a, a touchdown. I think there's real blow up opportunity in this one, to be honest with you. It's going to be Detroit minus four at New Orleans. Yeah, with my, my next pick here, I'm going to Green Bay after they absolutely made me have maybe my most embarrassing bet all season last week during the Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving if you can't beat them, join them, baby. I'm going to join them this week. They are six-point underdogs hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, and this really is a look-ahead spot for me. Kansas City has a big-time matchup against the Buffalo Bills coming up next week after this Green Bay team. I think they are already have their sights set on that one as, as a opportunity to crush a, another opponent that could bite them in the butt later this season, but this is as very much a desperate team for Green Bay as they can be. They need this game to stay alive in that NFC playoff race. And at six points, I, I really think that this is uh, overinflating just the, the the idea of how Jordan Love has played recently. He's been playing a lot better. He's been playing very good. Yep. Uh, have thought. Was a real player. Think, um, that is going to continue this week. If Matt LaFleur has made the adjustments where this team can get off to a hot start and keep going, I think – that is going to pay off for them. Also, you just can never bet against Mahomes over. This is a, one of our auto bets, right? This, this is one of our fundamentals. Mahomes yep. over uh, as a favorite of three and a half or higher, uh, 36, 40, and one against the spread. Um, always plays down to his competition, especially um, could be in this primetime game where the under hits a bunch of the times. Um, so I'm going to go with Green Bay this week plus six. And did you? I, 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 you may have mentioned it. Did you mention Green Bay getting extra rest here? This is coming off of extra yes, rest. They're, in this they're also, like you said, coming off. Of uh, so I'm break. with you on this bet as well. I, Logan in the chat. I think you may have misspoke, JT. Just to clarify on the Tennessee bet, uh, talking about Vrabel as a, a home dog, 13, 11, and one. Uh, yes. he, I think I think you may have said three, 11, and one. Oh, that's yeah. very bad. 13, 11, and one. That's the number right there. Just for clarification. With my third pick of the week, 13 best bet gullet taking Washington, taking the Commanders. Plus nine and a half at home against the Miami Dolphins. I believe this is the exact same. I know the Dolphins were, I think they were 10 last week against the Jets. So essentially, the books are telling you that the Dolphins are meant to beat this Washington team as badly as they beat the Jets. I don't buy that. I, I realize the Washington's defense has been bad because they sold all their good players down the river. That's how that works. However, this offense is very good. It's it's very capable of, of putting up a lot of points, something that the Jets' offense is the opposite of. And I think this could be a high-scoring game. I think that Washington can hang with them. I don't think they're going to win outright, but I do think 9.5, and, and based on public money, it wouldn't shock me if this got to 10 by the weekend, so maybe wait to bet it. Uh, I think that they just, they're just they going to keep this game closer than a full 9.5 or 10 points. wouldn't shock me if they lost by uh, a touchdown. Maybe, maybe they're down 14 in the fourth. They get a a garbage time touchdown to cut the lead to seven. That's where I see this game going. Uh, Sam Howell, he's the only quarterback in the league. This is off the top of my head because I'm just a pro like this. He's it, it, the only quarterback in the league this year with over 20 big-time throws, as charted by PFF, and over 20 turnover-worthy plays. The, the definition of a gunslinger, partially his nature, partially out of necessity behind that dreadful Washington offensive line, but he's got the weapons to do that. He gets away with it. And so... I think that this is going to be a big one for, for the Washington offense. They're going to keep them in this game against Miami. Um, I think that the nine and a half is just too big. Give me Washington plus nine and a half at home against the Miami Dolphins. With my next pick here, I'm once again, they, every time I seem to pick them, I absolutely uh, just absolutely get schooled. Just when you think some, you're out some terrible, some terrible kicking, they but pull you back in. I'm, pulling, I'm getting pulled back in. I'm taking well, Houston. Amendola's not there. Sorry, not to cut you True. off. Amendola, the boogeyman is no longer here. You he, know, can't, he can't hurt. You know, you know who is there now? Brett Maher. Brett Maher. Oh, I believe arguably Maher. worse. No, <laughs> arguably worse. Um, I'm taking Houston minus three. I'm just absolutely selling this Denver team now. Pretty simple. Why? It's a sell spot. I, I think I think Houston is the better team, top to bottom. And the biggest thing for me personally is that while this Denver win streak has been impressive, it's been on the back of some huge turnover differential. Dude, over, this is crazy. Over the last five games, they have a plus 14 turnover <laughs> differential. That has to stop at some point. I don't think they can I saw, continue to get this lucky. I saw this put in a different way. Uh, that means that in their last, in their five game winning streak now, one out of every four drives, their opponents have run 
has ended in a turnover. That's crazy. Re- a 25% turnover rate is bonkers that and so down. unsustainable. Yeah, it yeah. has to come down. We have to get the regression. And now we're getting this Houston team at home, which they have not looked good as a favorite. CJ Stroud has not performed well. He is winless against the spread as, as a favorite. Um, but I think with your the, first win has to come somewhere. It has to come, has to come somewhere. And they're going up against a Denver team that I think the, the market is is getting higher on every single week. So I think this is a perfect spell, sell spot. Uh, I think Tank Dell is going to play, so that's not a concern. I think this Houston defense is going to be able to contain their running potential. Um, so I, I like the Houston Texans this week, minus three. All right, with my fourth pick of the week, 13 best by gauntlet. Speaking of the New York Jets, I hate to do it to the people, but I have to do it to the people. This, this is the time of year where good betters are gross betters, and I'm taking the New York Jets plus two at home against Atlanta. Listen, this line on the surface, to my monkey brain, I look at it and I say, this does not make sense. I think Atlanta should be favored by more than this. Vegas knows something here. The pros are betting the Jets here. They know something. I'm going to trust that they know something. I'm going with the Jets here. Rodgers, back in the building this week, opened his 21-day practice window to come off of IR. Whether he does or not is up in the air, but he's in that building. He's got the G- like He is the Messiah of that roster this year. They are living and dying by him. They are doing what they're doing for him, for the hope of his return. I mean, it really is a strange messianic figure situation going up up there for the Jets in New Jersey. Uh, terrible state, by the way. Uh, sorry, just had to get that in there for your extended family, JT. I, 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 I do think that this is a spot where the Jets, if they have any life in them, and maybe they've given up. If they've given up, then this is going to burn me. This is the spot where they, they just eke out that last bit. Uh, is it still Tim Boyle? I believe yes, still, he's still be, slinging it. Indeed be Tim Boyle. Uh, I just think Atlanta's not very good, and I think that this is a, a line that is fishy. And for that reason, I'm taking the Jets playing the points. It also would not shock me at all if the public sees this and they don't get it at all, and they just bet Atlanta up. And if I can get that to two and a half, if I can get it to three, then I really do perfect. start to like the bet. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. With my final pick this week, I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers minus five and a half headed to New England. Like I said, it's. It, this is the more desperate team. Brandon Staley is desperate to keep his job. And uh, whether or not this team believes in him, they're desperate to get back into playoff contention here because they're not exactly out of it yet. Now they're going up against the New England team that will be playing Bailey Zappi. I'm personally not that much of a fan of Bailey Zappi over Mac Jones. I think they're pretty equal. I thought, you're, I thought that sentence was going to end with, I'm not a fan of Bailey Zappi, which is the equivalent of saying, I'm not a big fan of, like Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Like, yeah, most people aren't. What are you talking um, about? That's fair. That's fair. I, I don't believe it gives them. I don't believe much, it either, to be clear, yeah. but I definitely don't believe it makes us happy. Um, I, I don't believe it's going to give them that much more juice in this game. The Patriots this year are two and nine against the spread this season, worse than the NFL. Patriots haven't started two and nine against the spread since 1981. Ooh. When they did, they ended up that season three and 13. So they did win in this spot. However, it would be the first time that the Patriots would ever go to 10 and two against the spread in a season. I believe that happens now. And Bill Belichick's worst and maybe last season as a new England Patriots head Started coach, looking like it. Herbert is 17 and 13 against the spread on the road. That is better than his 14, 16 and one against the spread record at home in his career. Pretty easy spot for me. I don't think the Patriots can put up a lot of points. They're going to be missing pop Douglas. Who's still dealing with that concussion. Yep. Um, and this, this, Chargers team just has the better offensive weapon. So I think they're going to be at least be able to win handily. So give me the Chargers this week. I like that one. Logan in the comments saying, asking, are the Titans plus 14 in turnover differential in their last five years? A great question. We'll get our research department on that ASAP. I wouldn't be shocked if the answer is no, but but maybe, I don't know. That sounds that sounds a little fishy. With my final bet of the week 13 best bet going, I'm going with the team the Titans just dis- dispatched last week. I'm going with Carolina plus five and a half at Tampa Bay. I think that just generally a general tenant of my betting strategy. I love to bet teams right after they fired their coach. I don't know if this is, this is different than McDaniels getting fired from Las Vegas where everybody clearly and publicly hated the guy and were glad that he was gone. I don't think they hated Frank Reich. I think this team still has issues and they're going back to a play caller that we saw call plays earlier in the year. And it didn't seem to do much. This is more a fate of Tampa Bay than anything. Um, I just think Tampa Bay, like they're in a situation where they're in quarterback purgatory. They are at four and seven, I believe, on the year, something like that. They, they're not necessarily uh, going anywhere fast. And for that reason, I think that they're going like, to think back to what we thought about this Tampa Bay team coming into the year. They were talked about is like Tampa Bay, Arizona. Who's going to be the worst team in the league? 
neither has been that bad so far. But I think both teams are pretty bad. And I think this Tampa Bay team is pretty bad. And in a division spot, I love division dogs. I just think Carolina gets that little bit of fired coach juice in this game. I think five and a half is too big a number. I don't think they're going to win, but I do think they're going to cover, maybe lose by a field goal. It's going to be Carolina plus five and a half at Tampa Bay. That is our week 13 best bet. Gauntlet in review. JT's taking Arizona plus five and a half at Pittsburgh. Tennessee plus one at home against Indianapolis. Green Bay plus six at home against Kansas City. Houston minus three at home against Denver. And the Chargers minus five and a half at the Patriots. I'm taking the 49ers minus two and a half at the Eagles. The Lions minus four at the Saints. The Commanders plus nine and a half versus Miami. The Jets plus two versus the Falcons. And the Carolina Panthers plus five and a half at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is our best bet gauntlet. And that is our show. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in with us live today. If you did, if you're listening in post, consider listening live. It's a good time. We'd love to hear from you in the comment section over on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube chat. Again, please subscribe to Broadway Sports Media. It's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Very easy to find, very easy to subscribe, free to you, very helpful to us. We'll be back on Sunday evening, recapping all things Titans Colts. We're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly in what should be a pretty entertaining one. I'm expecting it to be a tight one. Should be a fun game. Until then, for producer JTM, your host, Easton Freeze, come hang out at Boomboss. It's great food, great drinks, great sports watching. It's a good time. We'd love to hang out with you. We'll talk to you Sunday.